ballet, air traffic congestion. I'm having a baby. Second thoughts, scotch dinner, and someone's dancing on the box. A former MP, and no one's watching. My oldest friends are a serious habit. Flyboy blue, so bring your faces home. My sweet trampoline and acres of crash side love. There is something about that tune, something haunting about that tune that I just love. Chris introduced me to this group, this album. The name of the group is Elbow. Yes, like your Elbow, E-L-B-O-W. And uh, I believe that album was from 2014, so I can't quite remember the name. But if you like that song, go check out Elbow anywhere that you can find your music. Dudes, ladies, what's up? It's Brooks. I'm back. It's another episode of Barbell Buddha Rediscovered. This one is called... The best sort of music, and it is episode 55. I'm happy to be here with you. Did you like the last episode that I had with Mr. with the buddy, Mike Bledsoe? I mean, it's not... Mike is a friend of mine, but it's not every day that I get to get on the microphone with somebody who has, you know, launched their trajectory and grown a name for themselves through that medium. I mean, Barbell Shrugged was one of the, if not the titan of its era when it comes to fitness podcasts, interviews, being able to, you know, I guess, shake it up with some of the best minds in the industry, man. These guys were 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 pros. And so it's not every day you get a chance to have Mike Bledsoe on the microphone. And so if you couldn't tell, I was, I was freaking fired up, man. Like I was probably a little nervous. Let's just be real. A lot of the talking in the microphone by myself is fun, and it's easy, right? I can stop, or I can restart, or whatever. Like, yeah, talking to the microphone by yourself has its own challenges, but it's also, you you can kind of create your own boundaries. But when you're doing an interview, man, you got to be in it. You got to be with it. You got to be... Uh, uh, engaged and you know hopefully entertaining so I hope you I hope you got a lot out of that last week and uh, it was just fun man it was just fun to catch up with him I I sure got out a lot like got a lot out of hanging out with him again he, he's like a he's like lately he's just been this shot of of like fresh air Mike always yeah Mike's Mike he has his own isms and things that you're gonna hear him say often around his work around his uh, his business but just as a personality man he's always light he's he's really doing uh, doing some really cool stuff so it was just fun to catch up with him and um, yeah man I had a blast this week we are getting right back in the story Chris is soon to leave his job his corporate gig right? And he's about to transition and make this big change for himself. So this episode, he has so many awesome nuggets and pearls to share. I have three specifically that I've chosen for you. And you know the deal. I'm going to play the clip and then we're going to come back and we're going to bat it around. I'm going to share a little bit. And uh, yeah, I know that you're going to get a lot out of this. Okay, Chris, this one, this clip is, call it 
It's about Buddha in blue jeans, which is a book, and then it's three reasons to meditate with Russell Simmons. Okay, so this clip's about nine minutes. Stay with me. You're going to get some very specific reasons to meditate, and uh, I don't know about you, but I need meditation more than ever. Chris, get it started, buddy. Take it away. Appreciate more and more. I have another book here, um, Buddha in Blue Jeans. I just picked this up. This is interesting because this is the shortest fucking book I have ever bought in my life, but it's also one of the best. How short, Chris, you ask? This book is 21 pages long, and it's not like every one of those pages has a lot of um, content on it. Of the 21 pages, maybe like 15 actually have words. Maybe it's 17. That includes a table of contents here. There's nary a page that is filled with text either. They're more like, like 20 poems. But listen to this. Um, the scope is to be probably the most powerful condensed presentation of Buddha-style qualities. By that, I'm just meaning, you know, not getting too heavy into anything spiritual, but just he discusses here in a very, I guess you'd call it secular way, very simple way, man, how important it is to sit still. And when you sit still, that's when a lot of wisdom comes to you. That's when you settle your mind. That's when you get a lot of insights in your life. That's when you can block out, you know, the the mess that is the world sometimes, the hum, the buzz, the, the constant chatter. You can focus in on actually what makes you happy, what you actually want out of this life, what you need to accomplish that day. You can push aside all the other shit that doesn't really matter. Apologize for my hard pee there. I'll give you a taste of this book. Let me read the first, not to give too much away, but the first um, page. Sit quietly. Uh, I recommend you get this. It's like $4 on Amazon. Don't be that big of a cheap ass where you don't buy this. This is well worth it. You can read this every morning. If you do that for a month, you'll probably be a much better human being. But check this out. This is the most important Zen practice. It is the classroom for living, a wise and kind life. Sit anywhere and be quiet, on a couch, a bed, a bench, inside, outside, leaning against a tree, by a lake, at the ocean, in a garden, on an airplane, in your office chair, on the floor, in your car, Meditation cushions are okay, too. I prefer the floor one. I love sitting on the floor and meditating, man. Whew. Peaceful shit. Sit at any time, morning, night, one minute, three years. Who cares? Wear what you've got on. Loosen your waist so that your belly can move with your breath. Sit as relaxed as possible. Relax your muscles when starting and during sitting. Sit with your back straight but not stiff. Keep your head upright with your ears level. Respect all medical conditions. Only take a posture you can. All postures are okay. Do what you can do. Fantastic. Uh, you will learn things when you sit still. Do it when you want. You decide how much isn't enough for you. If you do it daily, it will get into your bones. Please enjoy sitting quietly. Go get that book. Read it every day as sort of a way to set the tone for just a simple practice where you sit down, you catch your breath slowly, and you see what your brain has to offer you. <laughs> You'd be surprised sometimes. Uh, one more thing I want to cover. That's all the books. So <laughs> I'm not going to read all of them, hopefully, uh, this week, I'd be nutty. I try to get too crazy with the pace, but hope I do make, make through all those eventually. I had one little article I printed off that I read today on Reddit. Having to do with meditation and mindfulness. That's why I brought it up. See what I did there? <laughs> this article is published online today by, I think it's Entrepreneur Magazine, uh, which normally I don't really pay attention to, but the title got me because I, I forgot that Russell Simmons was so into meditation. Russell Simmons, of course, is a very famous... Music producer, entrepreneur. The guy's worth like fucking $500 million by now. I think he got into it when his brother, Reverend Run, was in Run DMC. 
If I'm not mistaken, my hip-hop history is a little rusty, I must say, if I'm to be honest. But um, <clears throat> apparently he isn't a meditation. He's spent a lifetime being very successful, and just for that reason, I guess we have to listen to what he has to say. But especially when he gets my interest with talking about meditation, he makes three points in this article I thought were really cool because they seem like they are actually really, really worthy of repeating, and I hope we can all take some out of it. Point number one. What does meditation do for you, Russell? Well, it makes me more focused. In his words, meditation is going to allow you to accomplish twice as much in half the time. Ooh, you've got my attention. <laughs> Result uh, craving primate that I am. If you take anything away from this article, let it be that. By helping you let go of the distractions that have been clouding your mind, meditation will sharpen your focus to levels you did not think possible. Interesting, interesting. Point number two. It gets you past success and failure. What does that mean, Russell? Um, he quotes a quote. <laughs> he cites a quote from the Bhagavad Gita, a religious uh, text in Hinduism. You have control over your work alone, never the fruit. Ah, that sounds like we can dig into that a little deeper. He goes on to clarify, stop worrying about how much success you have, the fruit that is, and instead just stay focused on your work itself. Because, and pay attention here, listener, when you embrace the process of your work, instead of focusing on the results, you'll be much happier and do a much better job. You might have heard me bat that ball around a few times in reference to training. And fuck anything else. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later on as well with some Alan Watts talk. But it's amazing how a goal sometimes, <clears throat> like if you say, I want to lose X amount of weight, I want to make X amount of money, I want to accomplish X thing in my career, I want to lift this much, I want to do that. It has a way of causing you to force things and project and wrestle with the pace that that comes to you. Um, turns out, if, if a lot of your um, focus is just on habits, like for losing weight, you can think about all the weight you've got to lose, or you can just get lost in a daily habit that is making sure you get X, Y, Z onto your dinner plate, making sure you have this kind of timing, eating this amount of carbohydrate on the days you're training. This is an example. You know, I'm just fucking rattling off <laughs> words here, but... If you get lost in the day-to-day -day habits and on the process, the results come anyway. And you get results actually so much quicker, so much more efficiently when you get sort of past the craving. Yeah, you sort of blow past what you wanted to plan for anyway. Much happier, much more satisfied. Or, or you end up naturally gravitating away from the goal you had planned towards the one you actually do desire. You just weren't able to recognize it for whatever reason. Point number three, it lets you be more creative. That sounds like a good thing. Um, every entrepreneur or business person wants to be more creative, right? Meditation is a guaranteed way to not only dip into that, but stay connected with your creative spirit. When you sit down quiet and let your mind settle, all the innovative, inventive, inspired ideas that have been hiding away in the depths of your mind are going to begin to bubble up to the surface. That I do find. I mean, if you ever go for, like, for a walk or something, and without noise, without your cell phone being in your hand, without music, without anything... Your mind tends to wander in interesting directions. Same thing during meditation. After a while of sitting quietly, sort of your mind starts to bloom and new possibilities start to open up, new insights. If you go for a car ride sometimes and just have everything turned off, so don't be fucking with your phone, don't be fucking with the satellite radio or anything. I don't know if people still listen to satellite radio or not. <laughs> I don't. As much of a fan of it as I was for a while, I don't anymore. Mostly podcasts, mostly just uh, music streaming. But... Every once in a while, you got to cut that shit off and just let your mind be because you know, so much of what you learn 
it's sort of just a recombination of what you already know, new insights, you experience something now, you reach back in your past, and you can see something from a different angle, all that kind of stuff, recombining what you already know. But you gotta let your mind quiet down so this information can expose itself to you, right? I mean, back to Russell. Um, he said, you might not associate them with stillness, but one group of people that have always noticed, um, almost instinctively understand this connection between stillness and creativity were the greatest rappers I ever worked with. Dig it, Russell, I can dig it. From Jay-Z to Chuck D. Chuck D, what's up, man? God, I'd love to interview you. I don't know what the context would be or how I'd do it, but I'd love it. Uh, to the late Biggie Smalls, no matter how crazy things were getting in the studio around them, those guys were able to shut out the distractions around them and tap into their inner stillness, which is why they always managed to create such innovative and timeless music. Well, I don't know how effective they were with blocking out the noise. I guess they got involved with a lot of shenanigans and noise eventually. I mean, it didn't turn out so great, but <laughs> it's, it's a great insight to know that you know, even rappers uh, need that time to be still and quiet and have those ideas emerge with time. It works, it works for everybody. Sitting still is one of the most important things you can do. Uh, but thank you for that, Russell. It's fantastic. So if I could leave anything with you from that first segment, go buy that Boot and Blue Jeans album. And you better damn sure if you like good music, check out Elbow's new album. That's all I can say. If you don't do it, uh, I'll be very disappointed in you. <laughs> Heard, Chris. Heard, buddy. Um, I don't know if I made this clear before we started the clip, but Chris was giving some book recommendations and he was reading some books that he had on his, on his shelf that he had just gotten. And one of them was called Buddha and Blue Jeans. So it's not an album, it's a book, Buddha and Blue Jeans. And then, uh, the other thing that I wanted to highlight was again, these three points that Russell Simmons makes, you know, this show, I'm going to read the points, but the show seems to be Chris's attempt to give us or perhaps just share what he's doing for himself, but to give us a blueprint for happiness and fulfillment on our path for Dharma. He mentioned the the Bhagavad Gita, and that's what Russell Simmons was referencing when he was saying the second point. You know, so Russell Simmons had he was giving us three reasons to meditate. And the first one is that you just have better concentration. Like it's just a a training mechanism for your mind to concentrate better. He said he could get now twice the uh, result in half the time. Either that his quality has gotten two times better or the gross sum of what he's able to accomplish has gotten two times better. It doesn't really matter, but he's doing it in half the time. So we get more efficient by being able to concentrate and concentration, better concentration is a result. It's not the point, but it is a result of meditation. The second thing that Russell Simmons mentioned is that the practice of meditation gets you past success and failure. And the word or the, the quote that he used was, you have a right to the work, but you don't have a right to the fruits. And that was taken directly from the Bhagavad Gita. It's actually, there's another book that I've read called The Great Work of Your Life by Stephen Cope. I imagine I've mentioned on the show. And he was talking about Dharma. Dharma, your soul's purpose, what you're here to do. Not just the one thing, because your Dharma can be moment to moment. My Dharma in this moment is to be present and to talk into the microphone. But my Dharma later might be to cook dinner for my wife. But just learning how to be in a sense of purpose. That's what really, I guess, if you were going to try to put a name on it, that would be what Dharma is. But there were four steps in the Bhagavad Gita, for the most part, to being able to like repeat or 
do your dharma on this earth. And the first one was to name it. Like, I'm here to do this. Again, right now it can be a moment-to-moment thing, but let's just take that we feel that there's some greater thing that we're supposed to be doing in our life, right? Just naming that we have one and naming our strengths, naming what we want to do is the first thing. Being able to say out loud, this is what I'm going to do. Chris is like screaming, like, this is what I'm going to do. And then the second step to Dharma is doing it on purpose, intentionally. So I'm going to name that I want to be this person or this thing. And then I'm going to do what that thing does. You must be able to do that. You can't just name it. You have to name it and then do the thing that you need. Okay, that's the work. That's the thing that we have a right to do. We have a right to name that we have a purpose or to name that we have this thing that we want to do. And then we have the right to pursue it, to do it on purpose. But Rule number three or part number three is we must let go of the fruits, let go of the result. Again, the hardest part for me personally is to let go of the result. We're going to talk about that more later, but fuck, man, that's so hard. And then in the Bhagavad Gita, it says, give it up to God, give it up to a higher power, give it up to allow yourself to surrender to, to something higher than yourself. Um, I had this, this is not to get it. Well, yeah, well, fuck it. This is a show. This is what we're going to do. This is what we do on the show. We get into tangents, man. I had this, I, this thought around God the other day and with, I wanted to take the spirituality out of God for just a moment because the word God, especially capital G God, it can get so many other words just like stuck to it. So people hear God and they think that I'm talking about some entity that is separate from myself, that is a divine being that rules over everything. And for some people, that is what God is. The Old Testament model, God the Father who hands down the rules, who hands down the steps, and we just follow and obey like a like, like a son or a child. That's the Old Testament model. And then Jesus comes around and was like, hey, um, it's actually not separate. It's like we're all... God in, in our own way because it's God's on the inside and, and you can you can tap into this union consciousness that is it's called the Christ it's Christ and things and so Jesus was came around and he tried to blow that up and, and there's a lot of spirituality behind that but I want you to just for imagine just just for a moment imagine that we're gonna take the spiritual spirituality out of God and because again God is something that pre-exists the, the use of language. Somebody at some time made a sound with their mouth to try to symbolize something that is bigger than just a word itself. There's no one word that can possibly encapsulate something that pre-exists words, okay? And if God is anything, it is definitely something that pre-exists words. But if you can imagine, just for a second, that God is, we were going to change the word out for all, do you believe in all? <laughs> Do you believe that there is all? Do you believe that there is a sum of everything? Well, it's like, well, yeah, of course, because I I can at least logically follow that, right? That there, there is something that's me, and then there's something that there's clearly other stuff around me. I'm, I'm sitting in this room. It's made of material. There, there's clearly more than just this, this particles that come together as a human body, and there's clearly more than just the particles that make the earth, and clearly more than just the particles that make the universe, right? There, there, there's clearly more, okay? So we don't have to say God, like this spiritual thing. We can just say all, right? And if, if all is all, then really what we're saying is we're open to anything. That anything could 
hypothetically happen. So let's review it again. Name my intention. I want to say build an awesome online business. Uh, do it on purpose. I need to. I need to do the things that someone who builds an online a good successful online business does. I have to do that, right? But just because I have the right to pursue it doesn't mean I have a right to the result. Why? Because I have to acknowledge and surrender that there is a infinite amount of things out there. There are all, and that I am only one piece of all, and that it, I have to be able to surrender to something bigger than myself because despite my efforts, I may not receive the fruits. Why? Because all exists. All, including failure, exists. Okay, so we got to find more than just the, the goal itself, the fruits to pursue. There has to be something deeper, right? Because we may not get the result. Again, we're going to talk about results later also and, and how they're dangerous. Pursuing the result is is dangerous, uh, or or at least can be challenging. Um, but what where we are, <laughs> let's bring it back, is that Russell Simmons said that the reason that we meditate, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm back. The reason that we meditate is that it helps us with, with concentration. We're able to start to block out some of the distraction. And then it gets you past this idea of success and failure, right? You're not, you're, there's only the work. Sometimes the work isn't success in a tangible way. Sometimes the work is failing, quote unquote, in order to receive the lesson that will serve us later, right? And then the, the last reason to meditate is that it provides more creativity, all right? And I, as someone who gets fired up around being creative, um, that is in and of itself, just being able to be more creative is all the reason to meditate and to make sure that I'm keeping that in my practice. In fact, all three of them by themselves are reasons enough. You want better concentration? Meditate. You want to get past this idea of being a success or a failure? Uh, meditate. You know, you'll realize that you're something much bigger than just your successes and your failures and your and your dots on a on a on a line or your your attributes on a piece of paper. And then you can be more creative. I also found, so I have another book recommendation for you that is completely related to what we're talking about today. I pulled this from Chris's book collection, and it I've been reading it lately. It's called Comfortable with Uncertainty, 108 Teachings on Cultivating Fearlessness and Compassion, and it's by an author named Pema, P-E-M-A, Pema Chaudron, C-H-O with two dots over it, D-R-O with two dots over it, N. I imagine I'm not saying that correctly. So we're talking about meditation. Why do we need to meditate? Cool. This is from chapter 13. It's very short, but I'm going to read it because why, why do we meditate? This is a beautiful, beautiful way to describe why we meditate and some of the, some of the deeper truths of life. The chapter is called Weather and the Four Noble Truths, chapter 13. Here we go. Mm, I haven't read it on the show in a while. This is going to be fun. Hold on. Let me, uh, let me wet the whistle a little bit here. Mm. Ooh, this is going to be fun. All right, here we go. In the Buddha's first teaching called The Four Noble Truths, he talked about suffering. The first noble truth says that it's part of being human to feel discomfort. Nothing in its essence is one way or the other. All around us, the wind, the fire, the earth, the water are always taking on different qualities. They're like magicians. We also change like the weather. We ebb and we flow like the tides. We wax and wane like the moon. We fail to see that the weather, we are fluid, not solid, just like the weather. And so we suffer. 
The second noble truth says that resistance is the fundamental operating mechanism of what we call the ego. And it's the ego, that resisting of life, that causes suffering. Oof. Traditionally, it's said that the cause of suffering is clinging to our narrow view, which is to say we are addicted to me. We resist that we change and flow like the weather, that we have the same energy as all living things. When we resist, we dig in our heels. We make ourselves really solid. Resisting is what's called ego. <laughs> the third noble truth says that suffering ceases when we let go of trying to maintain the huge me at any cost. Fuck, man. This is why we practice in meditation. Oh, to let go of the need to maintain the huge me. God, that hits me. Okay, let's keep going. When we let go of thinking and the storyline, we're just left sitting with the quality and the energy of whatever particular weather we've been trying to resist. The essence of the fourth noble truth is that we can use everything we do to help us to realize that we're part of the energy that creates everything. If we learn to sit still like a mountain in a hurricane, unprotected from the truth and vividness of the immediacy of simply being part of life, then we are not this separate being who has to have things turn out our way. We stop resisting and let the weather simply flow through us. We live our lives completely. We can. It's up to us. Woo! You need another reason to meditate, man? To get rid of that concept of what, what it means to be me, capital M-E? I, man, I need it right now. Big time. Because um, I'm going through some big changes in my life. Yeah, I'm going through some big changes and they're scary, man. I didn't realize, you know, I, I was so quick to look at Chris's circumstances and say, oh, I'm not going through that. Uh, you know, I'm not leaving a corporate gig and I don't have any children and, you know, I don't have those things. So how I guess I'm not going through as big a change as I thought because it doesn't feel like I have as much at risk, so to speak. But, you know, I've been thinking like, Managing the brick-and-mortar version of Recess has been such a grind. It's such a grind. I feel like strongly beholden to things that are not uniquely my vision. And these are all choices that I made, by the way. This is nobody's fault. It's just that I made action. Like, I, I, I put my plan out into the world. And as Chris has said many times, the world sometimes will say, Fuck your plan. <laughs> It doesn't matter, you know, because your, your plan meets reality and things start to shift. And it's like, how long are you going to cling to the outcome that you thought you were going to get? And how quickly can you open up to receive the result that you need? And I, I have been going through a lot of the same things as Chris. The circumstances are different, but he's leaving the grind of his brick and mortar his, his day job. He's leaving the grind of his day job to truly step into something that's uniquely and authentically him where he is the driver of his own fate. And, um, you know, as much as I have valued being an entrepreneur and I haven't actually, I've, I've been driving towards results that 
I felt like I was supposed to be going for. And I thought, you know, it's like funny, we, we, can, we can hide things from ourselves sometimes. And the practice of meditation, especially lately, has been bringing me back to this, realize, this realization that I've been hiding things from myself. I've, been, I've had secret agendas and I have been chasing results and I have been doing things to maybe impress other people or to put on an image or to, to be seen as a particular way, you know? And then Chris has the, the, the tide sort of change, the, the, the circumstances surrounding her, his life start to turn more favorable towards taking that risk. And in this case, Barbell Shrugged is taking off. That's the, that's the weather that's shifting into Chris's favor where the, the show's taking off and now he has a voice, he has a platform, and he has the ability to grow out and, and do something that's uniquely his. Yes, Barbell Shrugged is something that is blowing up and he's contributing to that. But Barbell Buddha, this, this project, this, this mission that he's on, it's like his stepping out in the world and saying, here I am. And, and like, do you believe in me? And I, I just, I know that feeling now because with COVID-19 happening and keeping us out of the gym, like I have felt so good not having to grind over that brick and mortar. And I've been so creative. I've, I've received so much insight from the silence and from the letting go of it temporarily of that hustle and bustle and having to make every appointment and needing to be everywhere. And right now, as much as COVID-19 for many people, and I don't want to discount other people's experience, right? Some people have it really hard right now. And it's terribly unfortunate. And I'm not going to say that I haven't had a tough time financially and, you know, with things dry, you know, resources drying up, uh, camps getting canceled, you know, things like that. I have been impacted, but at the same time, it's presented this favorable conditions for change. And it's like, wow, I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to take advantage of that. You know, the part about shutting down the brick and mortar, like the things that really got me were this one was like, what are others going to think about shutting down? If I, if I shut down, what are people going to think? I was supposed to be this smart, effective coach, entrepreneur guy. What are people going to think? Um, if I do shut down the brick and mortar, like, oh, the storyline, it's going to be so hard. It's going to take forever. You know, it's going to suck, man. Oh, taking down all the equipment and finding homes for it and taking down those damn monkey bars that took forever to put in. It's going to suck, man. And like, that's where I've been at. But this practice of meditation, this choosing to sit still and to like let things be as they are, it's, it's been such a huge value add because it shifted me into this new space in my thinking. And my thinking was that like things were going to be really, really shitty, but maybe they won't be. I don't know. Like there's things that I need to remember and there's things that I need to prepare, prepare for, but I don't know if things have to be shitty. And Chris is going to give us in the next eight and a half minutes He's going to give us some things to remember during big change. And I'm going through it right now. He's going to give us two things particularly, but a couple of things to remember 
while we're going through big change. And that's where we'll pick up on the other side. Chris, you know what to do. Take him away. Uh, I guess it's time we start this show. Hey, man, uh, I do want to apologize um, for... I'm not keeping the pace I want to lately with the show. In my perfect world, okay, I would knock out fucking two or three of these shows a week. And I plan to start doing that, actually, in April when I have time. As you guys know, I've talked about in the show, I am quitting my job. Stepping away. Effective in, what is today? March. Fuck, I can't see the calendar from here. I don't ever pay attention. March 20-something. 24th, 25th? Whatever. So, like, in a week, I make this big move. And... It's stressful because as you transition out of one thing and go into another thing, you enter several different phases that are pretty damn interesting. Uh, I think it's a, a, a powerful lesson here, actually. It's sort of like I'm calling it the change sandwich, <laughs> if that makes sense. Now, I'm talking big time changes, like changes. You, you start a business, you leave a job, you want to lose a big chunk of weight, you want to embark on some spiritual quest. <laughs> I don't know what that would be. You want to you know, try to qualify for CrossFit Games. Something that's like... Big enough to where people will notice. And that's really good because that type of change challenges people. It, they look at their lives, their habits, their path, their trajectory. And there's a lot of good that can come from you sort of stimulating change in them. But there's also bad. Um, the, the, there's things you fight for, this change you make. What could come of it? Well, there's the ideal outcome. Um, this sort of yin and yang resistance versus pushback thing I've been observing in my life. Let me get into this example, this shit sandwich, before I confuse anybody further. <laughs> what I've noticed is when you make a big change, um, when you make a big change, it's like climbing a fucking mountain. You know, there, there's this long period of time <clears throat> where you're working really, really hard to get the conditions in your life set where you can change things. Let's say you don't, you don't like the job you're in now, you can't just leave. You got to do a hell of a lot of work to build sort of your fallback options, uh, your options. So you, you, it's just like the, I guess, is metaphor the word I'm looking for? Yeah, it's late at night. Sorry. <laughs> you're climbing this mountain. You're dodging boulders. You're climbing over obstacles. It seems like it takes forever, but one day you do find yourself getting to a point where you realize, you know what? If I really go for it, if I if I knuckle down, I don't know what knuckle down means, but if I if I bear down and and go for it, I got a chance of making it. So you find yourself one day sort of standing at the top. I mean, I've talked about this in a couple of shows back you know, to the tippy top. Um, when you get there, it's sort of a surreal moment. Like, holy shit, I think I've, I've made it. I can make this choice. And I got there <clears throat> in my life when I realized, you know, I'm not happy with living double lives where my attention is split between uh, what I really want to do and what I have to do for the sake of just, you know, living <laughs> this job. Um, I got to the point where I realized I could make a go at it. I could take the risk. And even if I didn't quite succeed, I knew the time was right. right and I knew <clears throat> that no matter what, I could be happy with taking the risk. It's, it was the right time to do it. You know, the, a good time in my life, age-wise, where if you fail, you have time to make up for it. Um, surprisingly, a good time with actually a young family because, you know, a young family is a source of incredible energy. You know, it injects energy into any pursuit you got. If you have, you know, young kids in the house, you're going to look at them and, and bend the world to your will. No matter what you have to do, you're going to get it done. So there's that first stage where you go, yeah, I'm ready to make that decision. But when you come down from that, that high point, that's the first like sugar rest. Like, I'm doing this. I'm making it happen. But then comes the, the dissension. So you're, you're walking down towards your future. You feel like you have the wind at your back and momentum is pushing you down towards what you want. All you got to do at that point is keep up that momentum. That's true. Once you break through, just keeping the action going step 
step, step, step. The momentum keeps building, 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 and there's no telling what you can accomplish. Sort of like what I was talking about a minute ago with those habits that lead to success. This is sort of that moment. You break through that first threshold and you're on your way, but you have this tendency to hear whispering from behind. I think I, I explained this part in a little story time thing from a few weeks ago. But that's, I think, when resistance kicks in. If you don't know about resistance, I would recommend to you the book The War of Art. Pressfield? Is Stephen Pressfield? I think it's Stephen Pressfield. But that, that book, his other book is kind of this, the same thing repeated. But that book really gives you understanding of what resistance is like. It's, it's always with you. It's this force. It's this thing in your head that says, you don't have to do that. Do it later. You know, what's the big deal? What's tonight? What's, why, why can't I wait till tomorrow? Are you good enough? Are you smart enough to do this? Do you really believe in what you're doing? That kind of shit. I know everybody has felt that. Um, it's a very powerful force, and you got to fight it just about every day of your life. And this is when it really starts kicking in, because you hear that voice go, are you sure you know what you're doing? Are you sure you're prepared, man? This like smoky figure behind you, whispering in your ear with a cigarette in his mouth, being a smartass. Effective enough at its job to where you really start doubting what you're doing, and you really get kind of freaked out and scared, especially when it gets time to actually sort of transition off of <laughs> that tippy top into that future. You know, kind of like if you're going to quit a job, that's the, the time between um, making a decision and then when you actually walk out of the door. Nerve-wracking. The, the third part of this shit sandwich, this chain shit sandwich you got to navigate through. So the third barrier I'm, I'm seeing. And if you've ever left anything, it, a relationship, um, a bad job, uh, a shitty anything, <laughs> not necessarily shitty, but anything you wanted to escape. You have this situation where you know, those people you hope to change, maybe they didn't notice, maybe they did have something ignited in them, but now they feel a little uncomfortable with the fact that you are making a change that they would like to make. <clears throat> you're escaping, you're going on to something you really want to do. Maybe that's just not where they are in their life. Maybe they know they have a mountain to climb and haven't started, so you're making them feel bad. You're going to have a situation in those times where you get kind of tossed under a bus. <laughs> if you've left a job, maybe you're like, I can feel you through my microphone and headphones sort of shaking your head. Going, yeah, I've experienced that. It's kind of intense, and it makes things – you don't quite know what to make of it, man. I mean, I, I've, I've gone through a little bit of this. You know, nothing too intense, but I've noticed that I see a lot of people, even like family members, even friends, who aren't comfortable with the decision you're making. They think that you know, what, you, what you're doing is fleeting or um, – you haven't really thought it through. Of course you think it through. You may want to make a big change. On the very forefront of your mind is everything that's at risk. Like my, I think I mentioned this, but my poor mother, God bless her, she mentioned to me when I um, made this decision, oh, are you, have you, have you thought about what you're going to do for money? <laughs> and I go, uh, well, shit, mom, yes, I have thought about that. I mean, in, in, you know, in a nonstop way since I made the decision. But you get a lot of that. And Towards the end of it, some of it can turn a little nasty where people really don't want you to, to do this and they, they maybe they are willing to toss you under that bus. But I think when I, if you ever do experience that, you got to keep two things in mind. You know, I'm testing this stuff in real life now. One, you got to accept and understand that most people probably in this life right now are just scared, man. They're just scared and confused. They don't know what they want. They think they want more of what they're getting. So they keep chasing it and they don't, it's not really working and they're getting kind of freaked out by it and they can feel the ticking of the clock. So when you make a move that's really bold and brave, you know, whatever it is, you're gonna get you're gonna get that emotion. And you could get like uptight about it, you could get personally wounded by it, and maybe a little bit that's impossible to avoid. But you gotta keep in mind that it's coming from a place that's not all that terrible. I mean, these people are just showing you their real emotion, and you gotta keep in mind that you gotta fight to show them that you, they can make this decision, yes, 
And if they just stick with it, like you're going to stick with it, there will be a good outcome to it. <clears throat> so you got to just show them the good side of it. I think another thing that helps is when you really make a point to, um, to focus on all the positives this opportunity you have. So you need to make a bold move. You get excited initially for the bold move. Then you kind of freak out when the resistance sets in and when people start going AWOL on you. But you got to remind yourself, hey, look, I made this decision originally because it was so damn exciting. And I saw a potential future that when weighed against the, the risks that are staying with where I'm at now, I cannot help but go for it. <clears throat> I mean, the promise alone is, has such a potential payoff. How could you not take the chance? And that's, that's what you got to keep in mind when you make a big shift. Ah, yes, man. So much, so much, so much to take away from that. I'm gritting my fucking teeth. Um, okay, where did I leave off? Well, let's, the two things that we got to remember, Chris just hit it. When you do it, when you make the decision, got to watch out for two things. The first one is that you got to know most people are afraid and they will project their fear onto you when you make the decision to pursue whatever it is that you're going for. Now, it is important to keep in mind that most of the time people project onto you because they care for you. Um, I can speak from personal experience. Let's take, let's take recess. I'm batting around the idea of packing on the brick and mortar. And I start to tell some people closest to me that I have put this in my mind. And the majority of the response that I got at first was like, are you sure you want to do that? Can I give you a list of reasons to consider not doing it? You're going to have debt that you got to pay back and you don't know what you're going to do and you don't have an exact setup structure or you don't have this or you don't have that. What about your equipment? What about this? What about that? Like all the stuff that in my mind was like the first shit that I thought about, right? Like, of course, I've thought about what I'm going to do with the equipment. Of course, I've thought about the challenges of moving out. And uh, of course, I've thought about what I'm going to do afterwards. Now, the thing is, is that even though I've thought about it, them hitting me with the projected fear makes me afraid. And it also gets me to avoid telling people certain things because I'm, I'm not sure if I have the courage to even tell other people what I want to do. How crazy is that? It's not crazy. I mean, I imagine it's super common, but that's the truth. It's like I'm so worried about what other people are going to think about my decision that I have allowed myself to suffer and grind through this brick and mortar business, right? You know, it's like, what? So yes, I, I'm experiencing most people are scared and project their fear onto me, even if it's out of love. But the thing to remember, Chris was like, you, you keep this in mind. If you can allow yourself to shift your thinking, that's where the magic happens. He was like the Shifting back to the potential future that you had envisioned, that being you're, you're so excited about it. it. It's it's this energy that will keep you through the tough times, that, that, that excitement, that envisioned future where you can claim your own freedom, you can live life on your terms. And keeping that in the forefront of your mind when things get tough can be such a, a silver bullet through all of this. And the to take it one step further... 
you know, once I made the decision, because I, again, I, like I said earlier, the story that I had around is this is going to take forever. This is going to suck. It's going to be so hard. I had other people in my life I'm like, man, this is going to suck. This is going to take forever. It's going to be so hard. Like I was letting that fuel the, the, the negative narrative in, that I was telling in my mind. And as soon as I allowed myself to shift, I had a coach. I have a coach. His name is Danny Rios, okay, from The Strong Coach. And Danny, he used to always ask a question what can I create from this? And so somebody would come to him and they tell him this thing that just happened to him. And he's like, well, what can you create from it? Yeah, of course. Like this sucks. You're, you know, your car getting hit sucks. This getting, this getting taken from you sucks. The, you having this accident or this injury. Yes, it sucks. What can you create from this? And I asked myself that question and everything started to shift. It was like, huh, what if it wasn't so hard? What if it didn't take forever? What if it was actually really fun? What would that look like? And I allowed myself to run down the, the path of, okay, what am I really afraid of? And it was like, well, it's really the monkey bars because those things are huge. You're going to take so long. Da, 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 da. I go, okay, yeah, but what can I create from this? I was like, well, I, I will actually, these monkey bars are really over-engineered. There's a lot of material here. And actually, there's so much material that I could probably build four or five sets of monkey bars out of this. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you know, monkey bars seem to be the one thing that all the kids and all the adults loved doing in the gym. I wonder if there are a few families out there that would love a beautiful, meticulously crafted set of monkey bars in their backyard. I wonder if there are people out there because of the coronavirus that want to have a home gym, but they're going to looking for equipment and there's none to be found. There's so many people that are out of equipment online. It's like now this huge secondary market opens up for equipment that as it stood, you know, as it stands, like I got an abundance. It's like, wow, there's all these people that need, they need what I have. They, they are looking for it. Am I going to be the person that presents it to them? Am I going to step into that opportunity? Am I going to create from this? And the answer is hell yes. And the reason I'm able to fall back into these spaces, the reason that that thought, that creative thought, what can I create from this comes into my mind is because I practice meditation. It's because I have chosen to say, you know what, even when I meet resistance, I sit down five minutes at a time. If it's 10, if it's 20, if it's an hour, great. But I'm getting that five minutes of silence and breathing in my little uh, porch and I'm going to listen to the birds and I'm going to listen to the sound of the breeze. I'm going to do that because when those times show up, when those tough, tough, tough times show up and all those people that inevitably are trying to help you are still pumping you with things that aren't serving you, you can rely on your practice, you can take a breath, you can gently brush those thoughts to the side, okay? And you can go about your go about your your business. Now, to finish this episode, we're going to talk about one more trap. And the trap for me was the result. I was, I acted, when I created Recess the Brick and Mortar, I acted in inspiration. I had this idea, I had this mission, I acted in inspiration, and that's what came up. And then I started 
going, okay, well now I want to get it to make, to make it like a business success. So I'm going to start to slap on all this criteria for success because I'm a business person. I'm going to wear my business hat and that's what we do. I'm going to create all this criteria for whether or not I am enjoying essentially this, this ride. Because if I'm getting the results, I'm happy. If I'm not getting the results, I'm not. And truth be told, I wasn't getting the results I wanted from the very beginning. And guess what? I've been upset or frustrated or... I mean, yes, I've had moments of extreme joy and pleasure and love and all those things. And I've put a bunch of undue stress on myself because I'm clinging to the results. Let go of the fruits is one of the reasons that we meditate in the first place. So I need it more as much or more than anyone else. Okay, but there's even more reason to not focus on the result, on the end. And Chris is going to pick up, he's going to talk about a very famous philosopher, spiritual guy, Alan Watts, and he's going to just help us understand in, in a very Chris way why, why seeking the result is not necessarily the best path forward towards joy and fulfillment. And again, I said this at the beginning of the show Chris seems to be wanting to give a blueprint for happiness and fulfillment to us on our path. And this is another great thing to keep in mind. It's a great framework to keep in mind as you are pursuing goals in your life. This is the main takeaway from the show, which is the best sort of music. Chris will be on for roughly 10 minutes, and I will catch up with you on the other side. So, put these notes aside. Um, Alan Watts, I was talking to you earlier about him, the eccentric philosopher. Uh, first great popularizer in the West of Zen and Eastern philosophies, I guess. He had a big, ripe opportunity to share and took advantage of it. He was a perfect guy at the perfect time, but he has this lecture he d- does about music. And um, if you go on YouTube and search Alan Watts, Music and Life, it probably comes up. You can add South Park as a keyword. You can actually see his cool animations that, that Trey and, uh, fuck, who's the other guy in South Park? Trey Parker, Matt Stone. <clears throat> I guess when they were really young, they were fans of Allen's, which everybody should be, and they animated some of his lectures in a really cool way. You can search that on YouTube, I recommend you do, but one of them is on music. And he's making his point, I'll paraphrase, of course, making his point about music that, you know, isn't it odd, you know, going to a concert and the experience you have? So you show up, and you know, a musician starts playing, you sit, you enjoy. Uh, there's a beginning, a middle, where all these beautiful notes are played in a very careful order. And then there's eventually an end, of course. You get to the end, there's a final clang, and then you know, standing ovation, and boom. Is the point of a concert to get to the end? You know, to rush towards that final last batch of notes? No. I'd say any of us who go to a concert, <laughs> where the band just comes right out to roaring applause, clashes the cymbals, joins hands, and does a fucking salute to the crowd, goes, good night, you know, fucking good night, Cleveland. We'll see you later, man. Woo, we rocked you. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> if they do all that, you're going to be really pissed because the ending is not really what you're going for. You were there to suspend the worries of your life, to get lost in the tunes because they're the only thing in this crazy fucking world that helps you make sense of things and cleanses your soul and gives you a sense of power to push back against all this shit in your life. You know, 
not that things are always so intense, but you know, that's why we listen to music because it helps us make sense of things that are going on around us. It gives sense to our emotions and our desires and all that. But it's not about getting to the end, is it? Because if, if you skip all the middle, you're not really dealing with music. So when you hear Alan say that, you go, oh, I think I know where you're going. And he does go there. He has this sort of scathing indictment of, um, of sort of our, our culture when it comes to school and work and everything, even fucking religion. Think about what is typical. You come into this world, your sort of consciousness comes into being, and before you know it, people are asking you to do a whole bunch of shit, right? Because that's just the way it is, and you'll get some sort of payoff. So you, you go through all these steps to get into kindergarten and first grade, second grade, on and on and on. You go to middle school. You pass all these barriers. You achieve these goals. You write the papers. You take the tests. You go to the formals. You graduate. You go to college. You, you hit all that shit. You, you chase, chase, chase. Every goal accomplished, 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 accomplished. You know, little by little, you're led further and further down the road by the carrot until you get to grad school. Then you, you accept some job. And then in a, in usually, I mean, maybe, the, maybe the times have changed now because we're in the middle of some rapid, huge upheaval in, in how the educational system works and how people survive in a very new economy. That should be apparent to us all. <clears throat> but for years and years, people thought that they would just sort of pass through, that they would jump on this assembly line, that they would ride, <laughs> they would ride their life into that, that corner office gig. They would sit there until it was time to draw retirement. And then that, if that didn't give them satisfaction, then you know maybe something post-mortem reward had a payday. But it's always, you're always led by the carrot to the next, next thing. And he goes, isn't it funny how if we, if we applied the lesson of music to the way we work and train and live and all that, we wouldn't think about the end at all. You know, the goal wouldn't matter because we see so many examples where people got the goal. And it never quite paid off. I mean, if there's one thing primates do very well, it's the wanting bit. Like we want so much shit all the time. Like, have you ever gotten anything you wanted, any goal you worked for, and were completely satisfied? Like, did you, did you write that big thing? Did you, you know, hit that big training weight and go, okay, well, I'll stop. I'm happy. I did what I wanted to do, and I'm happy. And I'm stopping. <laughs> uh, it, it, at that point, do you retire to uh, your Zen hermitage in Kyoto, Japan, and make Zen garden uh, sand sculptures and? spend the rest of your days meditating and drinking pots of frothy green tea? No. You'd fucking go back and want more, more and more and more. It's okay to, to want and pursue things, but the motivation, I think, is where we often make the mistake uh, in our lives. Like, Are you going forward because you enjoy the process so much that you're just in love with this thing, or are you just wanting, 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 wanting? Because in time, you sort of forget what you're wanting. The motive gets blurred, and you, you, not get a, you don't get an optimal result. Um, something to keep in mind for sure. Maybe one of the most important lessons you can ever learn. But when I was going through and having these thoughts and listening to Alan talk and describing the traditional you know, work culture and school culture, something I've rejected. <laughs> I'm officially rejecting that shit because I am making this play it change. Um, the lessons hits home. <clears throat> I think it especially hits home in spring because, you know, everything for me, man, everything for me always comes back to training. Um, and I, I see the world through that lens, and I, I can make sense of things through that lens. So what's happened recently in the world, at least in the United States over here? And, well, fuck, I guess daylight savings is all over the place, is it? I don't know. It's too late to think about that. <laughs> I, don't, I, can't, I can't recall. Wikipedia is out of my reach. I can't grab my iPad. I'm not going to take time to search. But you know, we save an hour with the clock springing forward, right? What's curious about that, <clears throat> the zany life I've been living that's been so distracted, 
I've only had time like from like six o'clock to like eight o'clock for the last couple of years to train. That's when I had to do it. I get maybe three days a week to do that. Cause if you're going to podcast a bunch and work a gig during the day and write at night and take care of a kid and try to show your wife the attention she deserves from you and all that time starts running out. You cannot go to the gym <laughs> and fucking spend three hours training uh, and you can't do it at three o'clock in the afternoon. You got to do it when you can do it. But so in the winter months, that's really depressing, man, because you go out in the garage, in my case, and it's obviously already dark, and I'm busy during the day, and I've got shit to do after. So there's always this sense that time is very limited and scarce, that I'm missing something, that I have to go ahead and get through what I've got to do now to get to that next thing I need to accomplish, because if I fucking do that thing really well in a very creative and an awesome way, then I will be able to get to the next level. I will fucking grasp <laughs> that carrot and snap right into it. Of course, it doesn't ever happen, but the illusion is there and it's powerful. And we have to constantly fight against it. So I go out with a workout in mind and what am I doing? Well, I'm not immersed in having fun like I said earlier is so important. I'm not taking my time. I'm not really, I'm not really doing all the things I should be doing. I mean, I'm doing the warm-up I, I constructed. I'm doing the program I constructed. I'm going through all the motions. There's nothing wrong with the plan. Nothing at all wrong with the plan. But I've noticed that you don't get a result when you do that. It doesn't matter how good, who wrote your fucking program, how motivated you are. If you lose the focus right there, if you rush through a warm-up, if you don't do the little things that do make a big difference to prepare your body for training, if you get too focused on getting done and getting up to the top weight so you can move on to the next thing and you miss a few attempts and you're not really immersed in, the, in the, each repetition, each set, and you're, you're not really feeling it and really connecting with it. You're letting other thoughts occupy the whole training session. How can you expect to have a good result? I mean, that, that kind of thing is so much more important than your diet, your actual training program itself. Somebody could do something that just involves going to the gym and lifting a weight 10 times, but they do it with everything they've got and do it progressively in the simplest possible way. They're going to get a lot better result than you. People put so much attention on the details of a diet or the details of a plan. If you can pull it off, great, but it all means nothing if you don't focus. But then all of a sudden you get this shift where I have this extra hour of daylight and the day itself is getting longer. Like last week I walked out in the garage and I go, oh, because I was having these emotions of like being rushed and having to get done with it. And I immediately vaporized, like bang, gone when I went out to the gym and I realized I had plenty, plenty of daylight left, extraordinary amounts of daylight left. And I felt immediately lighter. I feel like I had nothing else to do that day. Or if, if something did pop my mind, I could easily push it aside and, and say that it was something that could, could easily wait. There's so much time. I feel like I have this abundance all of a sudden. Just because this one variable changed. And with that, I took my time and sort of savored the warm-up. I didn't want to rush it because I didn't want to shorten the time I was actually out there. Total opposite thing. <clears throat> like I did some snatches and I warmed up and things didn't quite feel good. So I went back down and warmed up again. Went back up and hit the weights I wanted to hit in a, very, in a way that felt very solid. Uh, with the squats, I enjoyed my rest periods in between the sets, like eight hours doing. Um, the last one that was really hard, I savored the feeling. Like I, I took the time to do each rep and the best I could. And because of that, I got a little more tired. Because I was really focused and sort of very mindful of the moment, I enjoyed that feeling. And what does all that say to you? It says we have to learn in our lives to not pay so much fucking attention <laughs> to the endpoints and the markers and the edges and the, the goals we set and strive for. Everything comes down to habit. If you are 
having that kind of attitude in your training, even if your planning is so simple, like so fucking level one simple. Even if your diet is just the simplest thing that makes sense to you and is very intuitive. Um, no matter what you're pursuing, it's just going to be a better outcome. Um, that makes the best sort of music, man. The absolute best sort of music in a gym. Take your time and, and focus on what matters most. Beautiful, man. <clears throat> Beautiful. You know, the big takeaway for me is that the goal is not the work, y'all. The goal is not the work. The work is finding presence in the moment and untethering from the onslaught of distractions, of fears, of those rogue thoughts. And there's no better way than to use meditation, you know, using meditation, those daily acts of being still and being present so we can see, we can be part of that journey of life. We can be part of that concert of life. The opening has started and the end has yet to come, but it's, we don't have to worry about how great the end is going to be or, what it, or how bad it might be. We, we get to just be in the music right now. And I just, I find that so incredibly uplifting. And I, if you followed us this far, I really hope that you have as well. Man, that's all I have for us today. I hope you really, really enjoyed this episode 55 of Barbell Buddha Rediscovered. Uh, as always, man, please can thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support us a little bit more, you can go online. You can rate us five stars if you feel like I deserve it. If you feel like I'm worthy, I'm not trying to push you in a direction that you shouldn't go. But if you can rate me five stars, you can leave a kind comment. Help this show get found. We can continue to celebrate Chris, man. Um, the garden is coming, y'all. It is coming. Daily wads, mindfulness workouts. Uh, 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 what else? We're doing some. We got a schedule for presentations, weekly webinars, awesome people to hang out with. It's already started, but we're still making it better. We're going to release it to the public. <sighs> Can't wait to share it with you. That's it for this week. See you next time.